Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. One of the other things I do in my life is lecture in a preaching course at the SMBC Theological College. And in doing that, I've discovered at a new depth the secret to good communication, to really being able to get a message across. The secret is really as old as the hills. It's one of the answers to that question, what would Jesus do? In fact, this is all the way through the Bible. It's also at the heart of Open House and my other business, the news business, and also in movies. Can you guess it? It's simple, really. It's the story. I can tell you if you're doing a talk before a crowd or a congregation, you can feel their radar rising when you start telling a story. If anyone's taking notes, they will always stop. There's a new kind of one-on-one connection. As my next guest says, everyone loves a good story. It's the best way to present Christian faith. And I think this conversation can easily apply to every form of communication in our world today. My guest is Christine Dillon, author of the book, Telling the Gospel Through Story. And she joins us now on Open House. Christine, welcome. Thank you very much. Great to have you with us. It's funny, though, when you look at lots of Christian communication, especially in church, particularly in sermons, the art of storying, as you put it, or storytelling, it's a bit of a lost art. Yes, they uh, seem to uh, use story to illustrate what they want to say instead of the other way around. The Bible is probably two-thirds to three-quarters full of stories, and so often people are using the more teaching parts of the Bible. So more and more, I think, use the story parts of the Bible, tell a story, and then teach from the story and explain it if you need to. But most of it's in the story itself. Because it's just what Jesus did. Why mm-hmm. do you think he taught so much in the story? Because story keeps working into people's heart. And they would have gone away and they would have been thinking about it for days and days. And it would have just kept working. Whereas if you said things in other forms, it goes in one ear and out the other. Yes. You say it gets under our defences. People think that story can't really change them, that it's just a story. But it's very powerful at changing how we think and getting us involved in any business, whether it's sharing about Jesus or talking about science. You can get people involved and really thinking by a story much better than theory or other things. Yes, because it's not communicating at that theoretical or propositional level. Mm -hmm. There's a different level here. Yes, and, and every time I do it, I think... To me, it's an amazing mystery just to watch people getting involved. Is it that we, in some way, transplant ourselves into the story? Is that one of the secrets? I think so, yes. We identify with the story. So, you know, a story about Abraham who lived nearly 4,000 years ago. How can that be relevant? But people say, hey, that's my family. His issues are my issues. And they get involved. Tell us the story of how and when the penny dropped for you, that you realised the power of the story in communication because this wasn't always something that you understood. I was very reluctant to get involved. I really thought stories were a bit childish. I thought I could communicate already. Why did I need this? So I really felt that God pushed me to do it. And I knew it would be a big change. The first time I told a story, I was in a busy photography shop, which had its issues because of the number of customers coming in. And I just started telling, and and the customer would come in and I'd have to stop. So I'm doing, you know, like one-minute communication of one story. But it was like a 10-minute story, but broken into one-minute bits. And it was amazing. The woman was completely with me the whole time. She just kept asking, what's the next bit? And she didn't forget the previous bit. Whereas if I'd been doing any other form of communication, you know, I would have given up. And she would have given up. 
So I think that was sort of what pushed me. And then just watching her response and then other people's response consistently pushed me to say, oh, there's something here that I, I hadn't thought of before. I'm sure a light came on in your mind when you just got that. More and more, yes. And now when I tell, use other forms of communication and I don't tell the story, I'm usually kicking myself and thinking, oh, it would have been so much better with the story. <laughs> the context of your book applies specifically to evangelism, communicating Christian faith to people who may be spectators to the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Those are said, this is a no-brainer, I think, for all forms of communication. Yes, and there's some illustrations in the book, like there was a science teacher who, who just had a class, I guess, they, they struggled with science, and he just couldn't get them interested at all. And then he thought, well, I'm going to tell them the story of Isaac Newton, all his background. The, the students were just listening and then they wanted to learn the theories because they thought, we, we identify with this man. And he also caught them going to the school library and, and researching more on Isaac Newton. He thought, goodness, and, and the grades just went up and up and up. So while he did it through story, they just got interested in the science. But when he just taught the science, they weren't interested. There's a, a thing to learn. Yes, I'm sure, though, that there are lots of people, either in the business, scientific or Christian world, who might regard these stories, as you used to, as little stories for little minds in the realm, as you say, of fairy stories, look down their noses at the thought of being a storyteller? Mm, I think we've lost the art. Parents still read books to their children, I think, but the actual sitting down and telling stories, we, we don't do that very often anymore. And so it takes a long time. It took me several years to really beginning to get my first set of stories that I was learning down and then so that I didn't have to keep looking up. And now I can learn a story very quickly, but the mechanics of practicing at the beginning were were a bit difficult. Yes, it is a tricky thing to be a good storyteller. Hmm. And with the Bible, I'm striving to stay as close to the biblical story as possible. You know, I'm not trying to add a lot because we feel instinctively we need to add a lot, whereas in fact the Bible story is well enough. It's a fantastic story. Look at Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. You know, most of that musical is, is biblical story. Yes. But again, it's a different thing to be able to tell it well so it's communicated well. What are your tips in how to tell a story well, how to be a good storyteller? My main tip is is that we need to do it orally, out loud. Because what we tend to do now, because we've had so much education, is that we tend to write notes and practice mentally rather than practice out loud. So I'm always telling people, draw a picture, draw a storyboard like for a movie, if you need that to help you remember, and then just speak the story out loud. And once you've gotten used to doing it out loud, and and I talk to walls and mirrors and (laughs) grab people to listen to me and just practice and practice. And once I've got the basics down and I'm comfortable, then I can begin to work on voice and, you know, getting Goliath's voice loud and other people's voice soft and, and things like that. That's polishing. But the original thing is just we've got to practice out loud. And it takes us a while to dare to do that because we're not used to doing it. Yes. A lot of this, you say, involves understanding the person to whom you're conveying the story. Yes. The more we understand the person, the more we can choose the right stories and how to tell them. Even initially, just learning the stories and getting that part first and then learning, okay, now how do I start a story or or intrigue someone that's different to someone else? So in the business of communicating Christian faith, evangelism, give us an assessment of how you think it's been done and why hasn't it made as much as it could have of the story? A lot of the way that we share with people is either through giving a summary of the main points of the Christian faith, that sort of propositional truth, it doesn't grab people. 
and it doesn't touch their heart. And Jesus is about touching people's heart. I mean, he's a real person, a real God. He's real. It's not something just for your brain. It's for your heart and for your relationship. It's like introducing a person. Well, you don't introduce a person by a series of propositions. You introduce a person by getting to know them. And one of the best ways is to hear stories about them. Yes. So if he's our model, why has it become so theoretical? Sure, maybe it's just the education methods have just slowly drifted that way and we haven't been aware that they've drifted that way. Because when I first heard about storytelling, I just sort of thought that's for children. We've done that at that age, but now we've progressed past that. Whereas in fact, I was wrong. And ever since I've been using Bible stories, so if people come with a pastoral problem, you know, I'm struggling to forgive someone. I don't talk about forgiveness now. I tell a story about forgiveness. And they get it, which is exactly what Jesus did. It's far more able to be remembered. Yes, and it, and it's somehow... I mean, if you don't want people to, to lie, don't just say don't lie. Tell them a story about people who lied and the consequences of lying. You say that the start of the story and the end of the story are very critical. Well, you want people to want to listen. I'm mostly telling story sets to people that have... I, I live in Taiwan, and, and people here, the people I'm working with, have almost never even heard stories of Adam and Eve or Noah. They might just have heard those ones. And so I always want to try and end it like a, like a soap opera does. There's more next time. And you say storying, storytelling creates community. Tell us how that happens and why that happens with the story. Well, I'm, I'm telling stories to um, groups of people and recently some old people, none of whom had ever heard any of the stories, but they regularly met together to, to drink tea, which is a very Taiwanese thing. They would just sit under a, a big beach umbrella and drink tea every day and they basically gossip they, they didn't have anything else to do but once I started storytelling it began to pull the group together because they begin to discuss they begin to get involved with the story and they're having a shared experience and they're beginning to share not just surface stuff beginning to share the emotional impact of the story on them and what they're learning so they are beginning to want to be together much more and there's just something much more wholesome and community-like about that. They're actually sharing themselves. They're sharing themselves and, and communicating at the lower surface level and having a common experience, going on a journey, if you like. Well, I suppose before I let you go, I should ask you to tell us perhaps one or two favourite stories of your own. See how it's done. I'll tell a story about telling stories. So I was at the beach in the Philippines and I met a British family. And after we got to know each other a little bit, the husband found out what I did and was a bit shocked to meet a real live missionary and probably hoped to run away. But <laughs> I said to him, you know, what I do is I tell stories and I answer questions that people have about life but haven't been able to find answers for. And the next day he came to me and he just sort of started the conversation up and he said, I've actually been asking you religious efforts, lots of questions, but they've never been able to answer me. So I've given up and I'm just going to be good and that should be enough. And I said, well, what sort of questions were you asking? And, and mainly they were relating to why is the world such a painful place? And I said, well, could I answer that with a Bible story? And he said, oh, I don't believe in the Bible. I said, no, it doesn't matter whether you believe in it. Just listen to the story. And so I, I started with the story of how God created the world, what he had in mind, and then what went wrong and how we rebelled against God and decided to go our own way. And I said, and that's really where pain started, because we tried to be independent. So we're telling the story, and his family drifted over, and we end up with four family members. And at the end of the rebellion story, I say, and, and God promised that someone would come to restore our friendship with God. And they all said, oh, yeah, you're going to tell us this Jesus. But how does he do it? 
And I said, well, that's, could I tell some more stories? And I just kept telling stories from Noah to Abraham to the Exodus. And they're getting more and more excited. And the funny thing was outside, the sun's shining, and this family have come to go snorkeling and all of these things. They just forgot about snorkeling. Interesting. And just kept, well, what's the next bit? And then I get to all the way up to Jesus, and I've told about his birth and, and what he did. And then I say, and he died. And they, they knew the, the whole story. In their mind, they already knew the story. They'd heard about it. But they suddenly began to get it. And I said, you know, when Jesus died that very second, a temple curtain, the curtain in the temple split. And we'd already discussed about what this curtain was separating us between God and, and people who weren't perfect. I said, well, how, how in, the, in the Old Testament, what happened? How could you approach God? And they said, well, you had to have a lamb dying and, and, and a, a representative. And, and suddenly, I said, well, why did that happen when Jesus died, the temple split? Oh, because Jesus died for us. We can now be friends with God. And they got it. Just wonderful. And just to see their faces as they explored and they got it. And the next day, as they were leaving, the husband said to me, he said, you know, if those people had answered in such a relevant way that I'd asked questions to you before, I would have kept investigating. I'm going to go and read, check out the Bible and, and check out what you said. And I thought, you know, that is story. That's the power of the story. That's the power of the story. Another story I can think of, of a, a carpenter that I met in a campsite down in Victoria. And it was Easter weekend. His children were running around with Easter eggs. And I just said to the children, why, why do they give Easter eggs? And they could just parrot the answer. Oh, it's new life. And I said, well, what's new life got to do with anything? Oh, Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And just parroting it off, but obviously not seeing the connection. And I turned to the father and I said, it's something that I, I want to know. Why does the date of Easter change every year? We never know when it's going to be. And he looked and he thought, and he said, well, I think it's probably a lunar calendar. I said, well, whose lunar calendar is it? He said, I have no idea. I said, well, it's the Jewish lunar calendar. And he said, well, what's the relevance of that? And so I went back and I told him the story of the Exodus and the night when the lamb had to die in the place of each eldest son. And if the lamb didn't die, then your eldest son died. And I said that was their new year. It was on, based on a lunar calendar. It was all about March or April. And every year they celebrated that. And then I bridged in to Jesus dying on the night of the Passover. And he'd heard this story all his life, never, ever seen the relevance of it before. And he just got so excited. And I thought, well, that's a good way to spend Easter. Yes, indeed. Telling the Easter story and helping someone to actually see that this thing where he sort of thought was just one of these Christian traditions with no relevance, actually... What happened in the Exodus links with what Jesus did, and Jesus came to give new life. Jesus came to give us a new start and to take us out of slavery into freedom. But that's the best story. How powerful that is. Christine, thanks so much for joining us on Open House. The book is Telling the Gospel Through Story, and we'll put the details up on our Open House community Facebook page. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.